Hey, hey, hey. It's Amaya Brannigan, also known as The B, and you are tuning in to IUBBSU's very first episode of our very first podcast titled Soul Food, where we discuss hot topics straight off of the hot plate, as we like to call it. Today, I have with me a few of our executive board members, and I'll just go ahead and let them introduce themselves. Kai, you can go first. What's up, y'all? It's your boy, Kai, the guy that's oh so fly, the BSU president. Hi, everybody. My name is Ariana. I am the vice president of BSU. Hi, everyone. I'm Tatiana, and I am the BSU's political action chair. What is popping, everybody? It's Ariana Hoy, and I am BSU's secretary. Oh, and I guess I didn't introduce myself. I am the director of publicity for the Black Student Union this year. So today, um, this is just our introductory episode for our podcast. And first, we're just going to kind of explain why we're even here, why we even felt it was necessary for us to create a podcast. And for me, I think um, the first thing was just to mobilize our organization. So even if you aren't able to attend our meetings and able to come and engage with us face to face, we just want to be able to expand our platform and give you guys a behind the scenes like view well listen rather into our conversations that we have with each other behind closed doors so what do you guys think we are giving you the news that you can use honey from everything to what's going on on campus to what's going on in bsu and giving you the real deal of everything because we see that the (coughs) idea sometimes doesn't cover us so we're giving it to ourselves Oh, did y'all hear that? All tea. <laughs> All tea, no sugar. To me, I feel like this podcast is a creative way to connect with students on campus um, with the state of the world we're in now. There's no telling well where all of our community members will be, but I feel like this is a great way to still connect with um, people whenever available, whenever they have the time. And I just love to talk rather than type. So what's popping? I like that. (laughs) I think she made a great point. I would also add that in order to truly advocate for students on campus, it's important that we utilize all of our platforms. And that goes beyond just, you know, a casual Instagram post or a little share on Facebook. Right. Right. Yeah, I agree with Tatiana. Um, This is another way that we can use our platform to get the conversation started on a lot of different topics. This isn't just going to be like your average podcast. We're going to talk about a lot of things that are very relatable um, that a lot of people are seeing in the campus and just in the world in general. So it's just a good way for people to tune in and feel included and just hear other people's opinions and what's going on. Right. I totally agree. And lastly, I'm going to add that it just aligns with our mission. This is definitely a great way for people to become educated. And it's not this podcast isn't just for people who agree with us but it's also for people who have opposing viewpoints to come in kind of just like understand different points of views as well so what is our mission though kai <clears throat> what is the mission of the black student union <clears throat> now we got a whole chunk and a whole paragraph but let me paraphrase the mission of the black student union is to reflect and advocate for the greater needs of black students in the bloomington community that's what i can put down in a simple time because i ain't read it in a minute Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> at least you're honest i'm too so busy living more. in it to read it i'm sorry it's boom Ooh. the mission is me Ooh, it's okay me. right okay. here baby <laughs> living through you 
All right. So moving on to our very first specific topic for this episode, Vox Booker. How do we feel about this situation, everyone? Oh, I don't even like know where to even like start about like how (laughs) I feel. Like I am enraged. I am, and that is like the perfect word to describe how I feel. I am just so like enraged about what is going on. Like you just, I just feel like you you never really understand what is truly going on in the world until it hits home like that. I know it hit really home Mm -hmm. for me, considering that I now at this point primarily live in Bloomington um and to know that I could just be walking on a lake that's Mm -hmm. public and potentially be attacked by racist people and and be threatened to be lynched like that's ridiculous and I I just I just feel so sad and hurt and just like there's just so many different emotions like I don't even know how to like dive into them all and I'm still trying to like figure out how I even feel about the situation but like when I watched the video, I can't tell you, like, my mouth was open for, like, 25 minutes. So I was like, this is crazy. Like, wow. I agree. I think my initial reaction was that I was just a little already numb to everything that's been happening. Yeah. So I was like, wow, but it it wasn't surprising it in, a, in a way. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't shocking. And that's even sad in itself. And one thing my parents always tell my brother and I is, you know, like, if you are out and about and you just so happen to get into an altercation with someone, like, just walk away. You know what I mean? Like, just try to avoid all circumstances that would put you into harm's way. But it it's not even the crazy part is, is like, you don't even have to be doing anything in order to set yeah. a racist off. Mm-hmm. You literally just have to be your brown <laughs> self walking down the street and someone attacks you. And I just think that's absolutely absurd. And I think it's like more crazy for all of us because I want to say we've all probably had our fair share of dealing with racism on like maybe on a very implicit way. Maybe it's a microaggression Mm -hmm. or something like that. But knowing that, you know, we didn't just get invited to a party not too long ago at Lake Monroe, that this Mm. is something that's real. Like this is something that students (laughs) absolutely go to. Like, And that's what it is because this is now to me and like as our organization, like what we looking at it now is that whether or not whatever, you know, like we see it on video, what happened? So they know whether or not it didn't happen. It poses a gigantic safety threat for black students because, you know, we was cool saying Martinsville is incredibly racist until it was Bloomington. And -hmm. now, you know, like Mm -hmm. we're sitting in that and we're living in that right now. And, you know, we can't talk about the historical context of what lynching means to black people. Like, that's a very, now, you know, you could have beat him up and roughed him, but you said you go lynch this man. You were blatantly trying to disrespect him and mm-hmm. everything he stood for. So it's that intentionality mm-hmm. that we know that's behind. While, you know, they'll coin it, they was outside of the Bloomington area. It had nothing to do with us or those do not reflect our ideals in the many statements that we've seen. But bump all that. Bump all that. What are we doing to protect the black students now is the bigger question. What are we doing? That's all I want to know. I don't know. I wanted to um, jump in and add on to what Amaya said. Whenever I saw it, I think I've I've just become so numb to everything that's going on, especially where I'm living. Like, my family is probably the only, I don't want to, well, definitely the only black family in my little 2,000 people town. 
And so it's not, I mean, Confederate flags are all day. I mean, we've had active KKK member meetups and everything. And that's a whole different story. Yeah, I'm okay. But I've dealt with this my entire life. Like when you say Martinsville, my original high school, like we played them in sports. Like it's, I'm used to like this type of thing, but it's just sad that I've become, you know, that we're all becoming just so used to these types of occurrences. Mm -hmm. And so- Mm -hmm. And then I also, like, whenever I first decided to go to IU, I was like, oh, it's like this oasis for all of these people of color. Like, this is going to be a really good place for me. And then a few weeks before I stepped onto campus my freshman year, we had neo-Nazis at the farmer's market. And it's just, I think it also falls back on what Kai said, like, what are we doing to protect the Black students? Because, yeah, the the city of Bloomington can say, well, these these people were from Scottsburg, I think is where the um, offenders were from. But it's still, again, neo-Nazis were there and that city protected them. <laughs> so I really don't understand. Yeah. Y'all know what I kind of just thought yeah. about. Every single time that somebody do something from another town, they are so quick to put, this was not Bloomington. This was somebody from Pennsylvania, mm. Philadelphia at 5501, <laughs> 73 yeah. Easter. They can do that in a heartbeat. Right. Um, and it, and they were in Bloomington. Yeah. And then, so if they can get to Bloomington, they're just as dangerous. Right. And I think something mm-hmm. that we need to do, like that ties into what Tatiana was saying, like when she looked at IU, she thought it was like this safe place, o- oasis, a haven for people of color. We have to stop looking at Bloomington as it's this temple of liberal or not even just liberalism, but acceptance and equality as if mm-hmm. it hasn't been built on and it still doesn't <laughs> represent those things. Oh. There's so many things on campus that are in the city and history and books written down laws mm-hmm. that, that are inherently that. Exactly. racist, inherently racist. We have to look at things like right food court. How come we're not seeing black people in, in the in the murals and stuff? And the first one we see, oh, he's an entertainer. He plays on the basketball team. There's just things historically embedded in our university to begin with mm-hmm. that are not we're not gonna be able to get to grow past it until we get rid of all of that until we get rid of it because it's always something in the back it's always something that rises up and is shown eventually no matter how much they try to suppress it no matter how much they try to ignore it it's still it's still prevalent there's still people of different races sitting in classrooms or buildings where people they're named after they didn't accept those type of people so there's there's just a issue like systematically and that's where we need to be knocking those problems down first. We can't just be talking about it. It's time to knock it down, yeah. hit it. And I think that Tatiana uh, had made a, a good point that stuck, stuck out to me about when she came to IU. Like, for uh, me, Kai, and Ariana's freshman year, do y'all remember when all those KKK flyers were going up at people's doors? Mm-hmm. I know they were in argument. Nothing was done about that. They opened an investigation, but nothing was done about that. Let's talk about the the guy that comes and, and oh. his wife and they sit mm-hmm. um by the little tower thing by Valentine and they say all the racist stuff mm-hmm. and homophobic stuff yeah but mm-hmm. but because it's it's a it's a freedom of speech they can't do anything about it like you're putting students in uncomfortable situations but you're not doing anything about it but then you want to just say well we can't do anything about it but you can mm-hmm. like how are you protecting the students on these campuses. And I think right. that's a that's a great question though. Like that's the that's what the bigger question is with all of this is that you know like because most of it we can't act like our black bodies aren't marketing statistics. Like that's what they're rallying mm-hmm. us there for. And mm-hmm. like I want to read to you all this quote 
that um, it comes from Angela Davis. <clears throat> we love her, Queen. Um, she said, I have a hard time accepting diversity for justice. Diversity is a corporate strategy. It's a strategy designed to ensure that the institution functions in the same way that it functioned before, except now that you have some black faces and brown faces, it's a difference that doesn't make a difference. Mm. So everything that we're getting off of this is like, you know, looking at the racial politics of what's going on is nothing that we're getting from IU is fundamentally shifting the power and the authority that black people have not been afforded for forever. They can change the name of the building that still don't put us in more positions of power. That just makes it better for them. So now when these PR come in and say, hey, you know, Jordan is incredibly racist. That's what they're protesting about. You still got that building on your campus. Oh, no, we're going to change it with the swiftness and we have a, a board together. And we just recently learned about the Jordan Hall issue. Like, that's what's all underlying with the, the the Booker case is that it's like a, it just really puts a gigantic spotlight on the racial injustices that have happened amidst the Bloomington community and also amidst the IU community at the same time. Because the greater black population of students, they don't live in them dorms. You want to know why? You want to know why? Because IU won't live them. Because they ain't got the space, but they keep accepting too many students. That's exactly yes, why. They do. <laughs> so more of the black students, they live off campus. They live in the community. And that's where they're facing some of these things. It's just like, it's not just the IU bubble that's protecting them. You don't come to an oasis. That's why when Tatiana said that, I said oasis. First of all, we have to acknowledge that groups is the one that brings most of the black kids to the campus. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But just the no way the IU markets itself is just, you know what I'm saying? Like they put... Yeah. They put all of this stuff out here, and that's when I mean, I'm only a second year student, but I've like being in BSU, I think, has given me the opportunity to like hear your guys's different testimonies about what you've gone through. And I'm like, well, if it's if it's such this like good on paper, good in real life type of thing, then why are we all experiencing this like in 2020? You know what I mean? Exactly. I definitely <laughs> think that diversity inclusion is something that universities all over the country not just Indiana University but universities all over use as just a pretty band-aid to slap on top of like the real problems at hand and um with that being said we're going to move on to our next topic which really isn't a topic but testimonies that I really feel like would be insightful for our listeners to hear based off of what Tatiana said her experiences at IU be kind of molded her POV and I'm pretty sure that all of us have some type of like experiences with racism with microaggressions that we can all share so I'll go first <laughs> I remember this was my freshman year and I was taking an introductory acting course and I was the only black person only person of color in the class and the class is already really small. So, you know, especially with any art class, any small close-knit class can kind of like be awkward because no one knows each other. And it's a small class, so you're even more so forced to interact with each other. But anyway, my partner and I, who was a white female, got together and we were rehearsing and we were really excited about our scene because we thought that, um, you know, we had done really well. We were excited to show the teacher what we had learned and show um, off our talents. Um, so we came into class, we went up, started the scene, 
And one of the things that we did was my partner touched my hair. And it was just to show, like, emotion, affection. And the teacher stopped us right in the middle of the scene. And if any of you know anything about acting or drama, theatrics in general, it's incredibly rude to stop someone in the middle of their scene for any reason. But anyway, she stopped her and she said, don't touch your hair. I'm going to ask you not to touch your hair. And then I was like, oh, no, no, no. You know, it's totally fine. Like, because I'm thinking at first, like, oh, she's coming to my defense. Like, don't just touch her hair, like, without asking her or without some type of consent. But even after I told her, you know, it's fine that she's touching my hair. We rehearsed this. She said, I'm still going to ask you just not to do that. Just you just don't touch her hair. And she directed that comment to my partner. And I was like, what? <laughs> like, that's, I couldn't even believe it. The whole room got quiet, but we just kept going on. We finished the scene. And afterwards, I went up to her and I was like, you know, you made me feel really terrible and you embarrassed me. Like, I can't even explain how, how bad you embarrassed me in front of everyone in the class. And I just feel like it's extremely disrespectful for you to override my consent for her to touch my hair. Like, who are you to tell her? not to touch my hair if I said it was okay to touch my hair and she's like oh well like I'm so sorry like I was just raised not to touch a black woman's hair that's literally what she said guys and like while I understood where she was kind of coming from like okay it's just incredibly rude to still insist for her not to touch my hair ever since then I just was like extremely uncomfortable in the class and I just felt like it prohibited my progress in the class and it just you know hindered me from being able to really spread my wings and and learn and blossom in the class like I like I planned on doing so yeah I'll go next so I mean I pretty much have had the same stories that most white people go through on my campus but Mm -hmm. I think the one that stood out to me the most um I was in an exercise class um, where we had to go basically go in the locker room and change, of course, and then go upstairs and exercise. And there was a point in time where I could literally hear from the stall over two um, white females discussing, like, basically racist topics. I won't really get into what they said because it was a long conversation. And they were in my class, so I didn't go back to class. <laughs> I'm just not going to lie. Wow. To email, and I was like, I don't feel comfortable. Like, this is what happened. And they were like, sorry, you felt that way, but and this is what their response back to me was, sorry you felt that way. Um, please take a look at your grades and see if you can miss that many classes. Basically telling me if I didn't come <laughs> back, that it would, it would impact my grade, but not nothing about they would take care of it, they would report it, nothing of that nature. So I think at that point, I was just like, it is what it is. It's just something I'm going to have to deal with. And I kind of just moved on from there and I didn't return. Wow. And I still got to be in the class. <laughs> well, well, that's good. We still got the grade. I think it's like one of those things to where, you know, like every student at this campus, especially a, a person of color, experiences some form of a microaggression or implicit bias, whether we see it or we don't see it. Um, and that what tends to come from it is always apologies. But what we're really trying to see is the policy shift for it. Because like you said, you said, hey, I don't feel comfortable in this. And it was, well, if you don't come to this many classes, um, I kind of don't know what to tell you. But why is right. it that that's not something that you'll start to reevaluate? 
this policy that we have here is that one, she genuinely doesn't feel right. supported. And then the education mindset is one, you have to give students their basic needs before they can go on to really scaffold their learning in the course. You can make it seem individualized, like that's gonna occur, that's gonna happen. But that is one thing that is a roadblock to a lot of students of color in these, in these things is that they have to go in. And again, you know, like we talked about, I wanna say a few times, like serial threat being prevalent and some things while might not necessarily be the case, but when you have living, breathing examples that happen to you like that in class, you're like, what more do I need to tell you? Like she, she did what she did, she said what she said, and now I ain't coming, so let's figure something out. But right. they're not willing to make that much of an adjustment because it's the policy and that's the problem. Mm-hmm. I think the one of the scariest things for me just, um, in regards to schooling and the school systems in America in general is we grow up kind of just like looking up to our teachers as these like superheroes but at the end of the day they're just regular people and sometimes they're racist people who like uphold the standards of white supremacy which is extremely scary because they have this power of in of judgment and they have the power to teach you what they want to teach you and they have the power to just do whatever they they want to do. And it, it's really easy for it to fly under the noses of the administrators of schools. So I just think that this, this, it's just chilling to me. Does anybody else have any stories? I don't believe that I have like any anecdotal experiences that like I definitely would say because I would say I face more uh, microaggressions because again we have to act like blackness is not monolithic in any scope is that even with all of us sitting here we take on so many different identities so I do face some microaggressions that I've had around centered around like my me being like a homosexual man and that happens well you'd be surprised that that happens on both ends from some of the things that kind of happen to where it is that you get into courses and it's just like, okay, well, Kai, would you like to educate us on Marsha P. Johnson? No, I would not like to educate you on Marsha P. Johnson because if you go to YouTube <laughs> and Wikipedia or some somewhere, you can find it. I, right. like I say, we as not diversity consultants, we don't get paid mm-hmm. from the university to teach these students because once you give me a check, I will tell you all you want to know. Come on, I'm a living, breathing mm-hmm. history book, but just pay me. Give me my coin. Where's my coin in all of this? Nowhere. Because let's just act like, you know, we haven't amidst this racist pandemic that we've been going through that, you know, BSU <laughs> hasn't been the organization that everybody decided to look to. Wing and pay them. We need to be on somebody's payroll. <laughs> Period. Do, do, okay. do you hear me? Because don't make me send an email to the provost. There's a lot of performative <laughs> activism going on is what's happening. Okay, guys, we're going to go ahead and move on to our next topic. Kanye for president. Oh, my God. Girl. Girl, girl. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to say this. This is all I'm going to say on this topic. I will not be voting for him. And this is a joke. I second that. <laughs> it is a tactic to split the vote. I'm convinced. And also, let it just be known. Say it again, should go TC. Without say it again, TC. One it more time. It is a say tactic to split the vote so that Donald Trump is reelected. And anyone Period. who pays attention should be seeing this in his patterns of how he was for him. He was his little puppet. But let it be known that anyone who votes for Trump, which if you're voting for Kanye, you're voting for Trump, you are aligning your values with a homophobic, ableist, pedophilia, racist person. And those are just to name a few. 
and you're not my friend. You are not my ally. I don't consider you a family member. I just want to make that's enough to end friendships. It really is. It really is. <laughs> uh, the easiest way to end the friendship with a uh, black you will person. get cut off I'm a unwarranted. <laughs> unwarranted. Mm-hmm. Chop, but, chop, you know, but you know what? I think in, in sake of this episode, I really, you know, like want to provide some pushback to that. Is that you know while we're gonna say this, like we need radical change in this country. And what if kind just what if let's But he won't. Uh-uh, he can't God. he's not gonna get some sixty five <laughs> year old Trump supporter. No, that's not gonna no. My thing is it doesn't even sound believable that he's right. wanting to get on the ticket like, as an individual mm-hmm. because you were literally supporting him, taking pictures of him in the Oval Office just a couple months ago. So now y'all not friends no more you want to run for president and even if you are wanting to run for president for good reasons like it's not a good reason because you're doing it just in spite just to one up him you know another thing under Kanye's belt like oh I can be president because mm-hmm. I want to be president absolutely not sir um we don't take this as a joke we actually want change and Kanye sir I really do not think that you're going to bring about change. I think the most you can do for us is send us some Yeezy boost in the mail. And you think that's going to make yeah. us happy. Well, we want, <laughs> we want an economic uprising. That's what I mean, we want. I'll take, I'll take the Yeezys too. If you want to send them in the mail. No, But I, you know who I don't think we really heard for a lot on this topic. I like to know what Ariana kind of thinks about. What's I do going too. On. I do too. So, um, straight off, um, I'm not voting for Kanye West. I'm not going to write him in because I feel like any rights write in are taken away from people that I hope to be in office. So let's just clear that up. However, me playing devil's, devil's advocate and just me being optimistic and observant of everything that's going on, I don't think that um, Kanye's bid was serious in all in all realnessness. I don't think he there was even like a application bid submitted to say that he was like you know officially running or anything like that so I didn't mm-hmm. take it seriously but that was after I did the research while I was just on Twitter trolling I was definitely encouraged not encouraging but I wasn't discouraging the mm-hmm. bid um and that's from the simple fact of uh you know you know there's those people on Twitter that are like you're either voting for a rapist or rapist or Kanye West and I'm like dang I can't vote for no rapist you know like you know, stuff like that. So it's like those type of things. But when you're looking at it for the sake of democracy, um, I feel like there's plenty of people that I would have rather have been in office than any of the three options that have been on the hot topic this mm-hmm. week, which is Trump, Biden, and and West. We can call him West. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, you know, so there's, um, there's pl- plenty of other options, but however, we can only, the American people can only pick, you know, who's offered to them. So when you're considering when you're considering like that, we I feel like it's important for us to not complain about who's running or dwell on who's running or who wants to run, but kind of decipher the message that this is bringing. Like you know, like Tatiana was bringing up how this this is just to skew votes or this is to get votes away from Biden be, because they weren't going to vote for Trump. You know, because you know how the whole electoral thing is all corrupt yeah. anyway. So yeah, like yeah. you know, so I feel like. Um, this is a good time, a good, like Kanye's bid is a good time for us to learn, to take this and teach and educate people how the whole voting 
system works yeah. and that and um i feel like using this as an educational component instead of just mocking mockery um i feel like is important no don't vote for kanye don't write his name in like if he's not the me personally this is my personal if he's not the democratic nominee that was selected that's supported by the dnc i'm not gonna vote for them because that's taking away from all those red votes that are definitely going to go to trump and that's just how i feel about it personally but i'm not gonna say if if i was 35 and i put on twitter that i was running for president and y'all 100 percent discouraged me i would be upset so I didn't do that to Kanye. So I, you know, and him and his, him and his wife had taken the time to, you know, do some things in the prison reform system to reform prisons, get people out of jail. They've advocated for that. No, that's not the entire thing that the whole political life encompasses, but it's a start. But that's only one thing. And so we just got to consider those type of things when we're voting in the fall. So vote for Joe Biden because he's... We have, so, we have to and this for. is like, and what we also have to acknowledge throughout the course of this is that people think that black people are incredibly stupid. So first, let's go ahead and put it <laughs> yeah. out there. They they do. They don't think we engage in these no, they do. conversations because first of all, they think let's put a black man up there because you see how the turnout was for Obama. So if we put another black man, maybe the black people might vote for him. That's an insult to our intelligence. Like literally, let's like if you think about it that way, like bump all of the Indeed. all of the other you know stuff that's going around with everybody. Like we literally in another one of those decisions, the lesser of two evils, but one is literally Satan reincarnate, and then one's like a demon. So we just have to really figure out what we're gonna do here. We're gonna have to pick our poison, and we're gonna have to really look at it. Like we've already seen what's being under the regime of one person has done to racial tensions even in this country or just the bigotry that's occurred and all of these different things with Trump's administration even trying to you know reverse some of the things that you know Obama the Obama administration done that advocated for LGBTQ plus people that really pushed more things for African-American people but people will get up there and do all that they want to but the coonery is real the last thing that I'll say is like this will be the first time that as college students that are currently in college we are going to be able to vote like for president mm-hmm. and I just feel like it's really important that like for me personally I'm not really into politics I'm not gonna lie I really half the time don't even know what half these words mean and I'm just not gonna lie to but this has been a really like I don't even like the term woke but I guess since that's the term people are using um are like a time for me to be woke because you know, we have to pick the greater of the worst two candidates that are up for president. <laughs> what is you trying to say? The greater of lesser of two. Yeah, the yeah the greater of lesser the greater yeah. of lesser evils. Yeah, okay. two leaders. Yeah, the I think it's the greater of two evils. Is that the term? The gra- okay, just cut that out. <laughs> the, now put that. We in. have to Somebody pick between two. We <laughs> need. We have to. Okay. We, basically, we have to pick between two really bad candidates. I just feel like that, and it's just a really good time to kind of like understand what goes into like voting and and um, just like what people are advocating for and standing for and what they're like what they're gonna do what they're saying they're going to do once they're elected and are they really going to do that? So I just would like advise everyone to, even if you're not into politics like me, just take the time to really inform yourself, at least on the basics and the basis of the candidates uh, just before going in and voting. I think a lot of people at this point are like, 
well, my mom is going to vote for this, and this is who uh, my grandpa votes for every year. And I'm like, no, like, you have different morals. Like, you're old enough to think on your own. Like, really educate yourself and know, like, who you're going to vote for. So, And don't vote for who your friend is voting for. Like, don't be the reason that that's who you're voting for. I mean, I think kind of to, to end it off, I guess, more so still, like, to add on to that with BSU is, like, this year more than ever, it's going to be imperative that people understand what it is that we're really up against here and what the power of our vote really can do. So people need to understand how to get these absentee ballots that are going to come out. Because again, there are some people that are not going to be able to make it to the polls. And if y'all want to hear my little conspiracy theory, we go get another pandemic and they go lock us all down and just the nick of time to where people can't get their absentee ballots. And then a lot of people are not go vote. We're also looking at Look, voter suppression, baby. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And I think what we also have to acknowledge is that people of our generation, like, do not vote. So it's going to be a gigantic push for us here in the Black Student Union to get people registered to vote, understand how absentee ballots work, really scrutinize these candidates that we have here and look at what they're standing on, their platforms, and then really going out there and saying, let's do this together as a, as a cohort, as, as a union. That's what these Black Lives Matter protests have really been about. We want to see some change. We got to go ahead and vote it in, you know, even though our democracy is a little corrupt. We go try and play its game and figure out how we can get something for all of us at this point because it's ridiculous. We cannot keep accepting said things that are going on within our political situation because it literally, you know, filters down to everything that we do from education to health care to, to everything. So if y'all ain't already, already register to vote. And I mean, like, really register to vote. And make sure you register in the right county to vote. Because if you're a student at IU, you might be registered in Indianapolis. And if you're in Indianapolis and you're a student at Bloomington, you might be still registered in Bloomington. So really figure out what you're going to be doing. Because guess what? We're going to be drilling it in. Because I'm telling you, BSU, we're getting political, honey. Because it's imperative. Presidential election. It's coming up. Red, white, and blue. Who? Not you. Mm-mm. Not me. <laughs> Not you. Because <laughs> guess what, sweetie? <laughs> it's serious. So for our last and final topic for this episode, I wanted to focus on Sequoia Turner's death in Atlanta, Georgia. She was an eight-year-old who was shot and killed. After her death, the mayor of Atlanta, Keisha Lance Bottoms, she came out with a public address. She said, quote, you shot and killed a baby. And this was directed towards the Black community. And she was just basically going on and ranting about how black on black crime is an issue that we need to solve before we spread our wings and focus on black deaths and police brutality in black communities first, which I thought was just completely crazy and absurd. And I I hate that people bring up black on black crime when in the midst of talking about the Black Lives Matter movement. So I just want to kind of get an idea of what you guys think about this situation in general general, before I state my opinion. Okay, in general, like you were just saying, I feel like um, Black-on-Black crime is a a phrase that's brought up when people are deflecting from the police... police brutality or things that are going on like that's the word from it to try to make as if either issue is okay it's not but that's not the point that we're trying to make and Mm -hmm. there's just so many people here in america that are just 
all around the world that are just trying to move, just make the the problem at hand not the problem. Like mm-hmm. instead of just resolving the issue, they're just trying to put something on top of it, a little band aid, and that's not that's not gonna work. And so that's what I feel. I feel like it's mockery, um, and I feel like bringing it up is disrespectful because that's not the point of the mission, and that's not the problem. The problem is that we're there's black people here, there's white people here, there's people of all different races here, and we're not treated equally. That's the problem. Because white people kill white people. White people Literally. kill a whole bunch of white serial killers. School shootings, them. too. Okay. Out there. Bombings. Like, there's so much. Like, so yes. if, that, if y'all want to talk about black on black crime, we can talk about white on white crime. I completely not. Agree. That's not the problem. We're talking about innocent black people being killed because they're black. That's the problem. But and so like, the deflection needs to come to a halt. I was I 100% agree with everything that Ariana just said. Um, she's completely right. They only bring it up to deflect from the fact that we're saying, hey, there's police brutality in this white supremacized country. And we kind of have a problem with it that it keeps continuing after Jim Crow, after years of slavery, etc. But basically, I think that one thing we need to focus on is that black on black crime has been debunked several times by scholars by historians that are just Mm -hmm. saying that black people are not predisposed to committing crimes there's multiple factors that are pouring into why black people disproportionately air quote kill more black people and then we have to look at redlining and the fact that poverty is a high contributor to crime as well and we've Mm -hmm. been put into these low-income communities where we're not given the resources to branch out and make better for our community. So it's non-existent. They're just using it as a tactic to make our community look as if we're killing each other. And I saw this tweet that said, no Black person is killing someone just because they're Black. And that's the difference, is that we're not... That's the problem. Yeah, Mm -hmm. exactly. Sweetie, air out the room. (laughs) Why don't you? She served you right out the but I think what that is too is even looking at that is that we also notice that black people do care a lot more about what goes on with crime because guess what we have no other option but to uh-huh. It affects us disproportionately Absolutely, because they the know most. It affects them. <laughs> and when we're talking about this conversation, we can't act right. like when they talk about black on black crime, it's typically around the times around shootings. But the bigger problem, the policy area that we have here is looking yes. at gun control laws. Gun control laws don't become a problem until black people have to inhabit or are using the same ways, forms, facets that our white counterparts utilize. Because when you had them babies, the this this little little, little Caucasian little white man shoot up that school, we ain't say nothing about that. Mm. You you ain't say nothing. You ain't say nothing <laughs> about that man in Las Vegas who shot at a crowd of people down there with that dope, dope, that gun that you allowed absolutely to happen. That they can make every excuse for life. everybody that ain't black. Because it's so ingrained, like absolutely. literally so ingrained within the system to undermine every black issue, to trivialize every black problem as one of their own. Not anything that the system has one afforded or has let slip through the cracks and has done several times. There are a thousand and three atrocities that come out of every, every community 
They're like literally, but we always have a microscopic lens on what the black people are doing because they always complain about something. But is you complaining about this too? Because black on black crime is a real. Th- it's it's not real. It's 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 real, but it's not real. I say it's not real because it's one. Th- th- these are these public policies right. that are put in place that allow things like this to consistently happen. Or one, it allows them to say that the criminal justice system, there's nothing wrong with it, with the way that they incriminate black people all the time. That's why. That's the first thing that they can go to. You got these robberies, these burglaries, these shootings, and they robbing the banks. Like, they get out of jail, and then re-entry into society is hard to tell because all of the public policies put in place for them to get a job doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. So they turn back to fast money, what they know that's accustomed to that can make them feed their family because they go in with families and come out with them too. So when we're always having this, you know, black-on-black crime conversation, it's because black people have to worry about crime. That's not something that people of other other demographics are consistently looking at with the microscope. Because they're not one, you know, unjustly, you know, going through these systems in play. I'll say I agree with what everyone said. Um, actually, personally, I don't believe in black on black crime. That's just to me not a thing. I think crime is crime. Period. When white people murder other white people, I don't be like, oh my god, that was white on white crime. Oh my god, that, that was, was murder. Latino, yeah. Latino crime. Exactly. Oh my god. <laughs> 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 oh Latino crime. But for me, that is not a thing. Like the most I might say is like, dang, did y'all hear a man just killed another man? Like, but it's it it has nothing to do with the race. Now it, it becomes a race issue when y'all are killing right. people based off this color of their skin. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But y'all are not saying that black people are killing black people because they're black. No. Like it's crime. Like people are getting mm-hmm. shot and murdered and whatever else every day. Um things happen. But I feel like what kind of Ariana and Kai and Tatiana touched on this is um y'all only want to talk about that when we are like, but y'all are killing uh-huh. us. and y'all res- and white people white people's responses are but you're killing each other so that's black and black crime no 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 because no that's not a thing it's not it's not because when, when your race was killing your race did i say that was white on white crime? right no but you decided because you didn't like right. how i look mm. in the color of my skin that i cannot change mm. That you were gonna kill mm. me, so you're racist. Racist. It's not. There's no. There's no such thing as black on black crime. No. No one can explain oh, to me what black on black crime is because I'm gonna look at them and tell you that's, that's crime. Yeah. It's yes. murder. It's this burglary. Is, literally, it's this black, is me. Like <laughs> all crime matters. <laughs> all crime. Like matters. I'm confused. So I. I mean, if y'all want to do that, then let's <laughs> call it what it is and say there's white crime on white crime or. White on white crime, Asian on Asian crime. Like, like let's if we're gonna do that, let's be inclusive to all people. Okay, diversity. Don't just say that there's a sex thing, <laughs> right? Since I just love diversity, y'all love it so much. Let's be diverse, right. but don't say that there's just a such thing as black black crime. It doesn't exist. I wish people would stop using the term. I mean, yes, I do. I do agree that I, I'm not a fan of you know people killing their own people, but you just not like you don't you know people will do what they don't do it regardless of what people say, but. Uh, there's no such thing as black and black crime. That's not a yeah. thing. And I wish people would throw that term out. This cover- <laughs> in every single way, white supremacy in this society has afforded people the right to disagree on people's humanity. That's why this conversation is consistently Say it, again. Say it again. It literally is. 
because in, in any other capacity of, of basic human rights violations, because that's exactly what this is, because homelessness is, a, is very brutal and very ugly. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, the lack of resources to education is very brutal and very ugly. Mm-hmm. You know, all of the other, you know, things that are thrown into the black mm-hmm. community that happen are absolutely brutal and ugly, but everybody pays attention to when it's something like that. And I think that's what white supremacy, white fragility, white privilege in this society has absolutely allowed for that to be a topic of discussion for people to disagree on ways that somebody's humanity should be acknowledged and supported. And that's literally what it means to be black. It's literally a constant disagreement of your humanity, but let's also act like we didn't come from a three-fifths compromise. Mm -hmm. And also, nothing that we say or do is ever going to be good enough for them. Like us, we could say like, you guys are racist, like you guys are killing our people and nothing that we say they're going to understand so it's always going to be some type of rebuttal it's always going to be well you're doing this and this and this and y'all are this this and this and that's just not okay like i'm at this point i'm just tired yeah bringing up the topic of black on black crime when talking about injustice towards black people also makes me kind of think of how the media shapes stories around black people too and it doesn't even have to necessarily be about death but just if the story is highlighting a black person it you know it has the headline has to be mm-hmm. african american person does this or black man does this you know something like that but when it's a white person it's and a they be student, sure to post their high school a doctor, graduation picture a teacher <laughs> right but they want to oh, post somebody's moonshot absolutely a black person Right. Abs- the, the worst pictures that they can find. They old from my right. from 2004. Sticking mm-hmm. the middle finger up. Right, or something like that. It's crazy. Bottom line, um, black on black crime is just a way to discredit Black mm-hmm. Lives Matter. It's lazy. It's indirectly racist. It's insulting. It's disrespectful. So what you're saying is that us as black people, and not even just as black people, as rightful citizens, Working people, taxpayers, should shut up about being disproportionately murdered by police officers that are literally sworn in, put their hand over the Bible and sworn in to protect and serve us. Nah. That's not it. That's not it. That's not it. It's not it. Yeah. So I think that that's really it for this episode, guys. I think we we chopped it up. I'm I gonna, think what we I'm should gonna... kind of do to end this episode, give people tangible steps on what they can do to not be mm-hmm. racist, how to thrive, how to support our organization, and something like that. I'm thinking maybe I can make an infographic about that, like, when we post, like, oh, then the episode is up, you know? Because I have an infographic okay. about the first episode oh. already. I could just add on, yeah, like, you definitely. know, resources. Mm-hmm. Look at you go, girl. Yeah. Uh, let's wrap this up. Yeah, wrap it up then. Whatever the meat goes set. I don't think we need to... Um, okay, hold on. I'm going to say... Well, I think that's it for this episode, guys. I really, really enjoyed these conversations that we had. And I enjoyed sitting and being able to bond uh, with my e-board members and talk about all of these hot topics. <laughs> First, I just want to I just want to thank you guys for having these conversations and won't coming in up. Won't stop, won't stop. <laughs> thank you once again for tuning in to the very first episode of Soul Food. 
where we won't necessarily feed you physically, but we'll always give you food for thought. Until next time, peace, love, and blackness. Thank you once again for tuning in to the very first episode of Soul Food, where we won't necessarily feed you physically, but we'll always give you food for thought. Until next time, peace, love, and blackness.